Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! to another episode of On The Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Each week, she travels to incredible wine destinations, interviewing some of the Italian wine scene's most interesting personalities, talking about wines, the foods, as well as the incredible travel destinations. Hello, my name is Stevie Kim, and welcome back to Italian Wine Podcast, On The Road Edition. This is part two of Costa Rente, and right now I'm here with Antonella Imborgia. Ciao, Antonella. Ciao, Stevie. Okay, so first of all, we're going to be drinking sparkling wines now because it's already midday, <laughs> and I think it's it's about that time. What are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking a Molinara sparkling wine, or Molinara Rosé. It's actually one of the examples of how Costa Rente wants to innovate, Okay. but looking back to the tradition as well. Because, okay, so, but this yeah. is Charmant, right? Yes. Usually we do the chin-chin in the end, but this time we're going to kick off with the chin-chin with Molinara. We just need some food now and a hammock and I'll be one happy camper. First of all, tell me a little bit about yourself because we met when you were working for another winery. Yeah. So you've been working for a very long time. Right. You have a very long wine career. Give me a skinny curriculum of what you've been doing in wine business. First of all, I'm from Sicily, and but I moved... Like, Many like times. Guadalina, Sicilian. Yes. Vice Sicilian pride. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Palermo. I started to work actually in Tuscany in the wine industry for Castello Banfi. Then I moved back to Sicily for a long period of time for Cantina Sette Soli, so a big cooperative. Yes. So um, a very interesting project. I stayed there for eight years. Then I After m- a long time. Yeah. I learned a lot both from Banfi and from Sette Soli. Mm-hmm. Then I did quick <laughs> passage in uh, Francia Corta with okay. Bella Vista. Oh, Bella Vista. Yeah. So sparkling wine as well. Uh, to go back then to Sicily again. Okay. And I work for Donna Fugata. And, and that's when I met you. Perhaps, yes, exactly. Right? Okay. We met in uh, Etna. Right, their yeah. new winery. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Then it's been now almost four years that I work for Le Tenute del Leonelato. So how did you end up a Sicilian woman traveling all over Italy and then finally in <laughs> this Le Tenute Leone I was intrigued by the project, which is very dynamic and interesting because Le Tenute Lonelato is a new entity, mm-hmm. let's say like this. It was the previous Gen Agricola. Mm-hmm. I'm old enough to remember Gen Agricola. Gen Agricola, yes. yeah. which is actually a very old project. It's yes. not a new one, mm-hmm. uh, belonging to Generali mm-hmm. Insurance Group. So they've already had uh, some wine estates around Italy. But uh, with the entrance of the new CEO, mm-hmm. there was a renovated interest in the wine bit. 
So he decided to create this new wine unit with a new team, hiring people from the wine industry, mm -hmm. like the commercial director, myself, uh, Giovanni. So there was a renovation going on. And it was super interesting from a marketing point of view to rebuild these brands and to acquire new ones. So what I, is your role exactly? What is the job title, regardless of what you do? It's marketing manager. Okay. I look after the marketing department of the wine business, everything about uh, the labeling, the promotion, the events, the, the social beat, everything regarding the storytelling about the wines and also about the products itself. So how big is your marketing department? We are not a very big team. We are three people mm -hmm. looking after all the brands. Yes, yeah, so it's a yeah. skinny team. Yeah, right. very intense so, <laughs> working. So um, what is your, I know, I hope we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about the other estates later on in the future. Yeah. But with regards to Costa Rica, it's fairly new winery, an area where there's so many wineries, right? Especially in Valpolicella at large, Yeah. right? So how can you make Costa Rica be prominent and be known, actually, introduce Costa Rica to the rest of the world. It's a very big challenge, first of all. The ambitions are high. The main one is to produce one of the biggest Amarone of the area. And uh, we are trying, with time, of course, to build the brand, starting from uh, his strengths. One of them is the artisanal bit. We do a lot of the steps of the process uh, by hand. All the harvest is done by hand, uh, all the selection of the bunches, the selection of the berries once they arrive in the cellar. So we built a lot of on this value. Then we have the Valpantena part. It's a little bit different to communicate Valpolicella and Valpantena, especially abroad, but we believe that Valpantena can give a point of differentiation compared to the rest of Valpolicella. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we proudly state Valpantena on the label. And we are trying also to be the system of uh, wineries belonging to this territory, to this micro-territory, as we like to call it. That's interesting. You're talking about the artisanal side of the, the wine business for Costa Rica. In fact, your, I think your tag uh, line is handmade in Valpantena. So that is Correct. your major claim. And so you want to really focus on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. In fact, these two words sum up a little bit. You're a marketing expert. How are you going to position this Costa Rica, their wines, amongst so many different, because to say it's in Valpantena, there are other wineries in Valpantena. Right? Yes, there is uh, Bertani, there right. is Bertani Colina is, de Ciliegi. Uh, Colina is uh, fairly new, but exactly. Bertani, of course, is the historic It's the historical winery. one, yeah. But we are trying not to compete too much between each other, but to try to build a system and to communicate, firstly, the territory, the Valpantena, to position our products in that sense, not to be like the another Amarone, another red wine, like you have thousands, but trying to build on this point of differentiation that actually affects also the wine itself. Right. I mean, starting from the wine, actually, because as Giovanni was explaining before, Valpantena means a specific style of wines made of freshness and they are more easy to drink, which doesn't mean they are like simple wines. They can be very structured and complex, but at the same time, more approachable. 
Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. And this is very interesting for us, for younger generations, which are not very used to drink Amarone. But in this sense, with this easiest approach, they can maybe be attracted. And we are also working a lot on the social side, trying to communicate more with this kind of audience. Try to find a more easy way to a language that can be more approachable as well. So tell me about your markets. Are you in Italy? I mean, Giovanni was saying that the wines are mostly sold abroad. So how do you manage the communication? Because what you communicate to the Americans are very different from how you would communicate to, I don't know, the Germans or even Italians at home. Yeah. How do you manage, you know, the different layers and the different channels uh, of communication? Talking about the international markets, we are starting to build a more structured way of communicating the brands. I mean, our main market is Italy for the time being, and uh, we are mainly focused on the on-trade, and we are starting to be a little bit more aggressive also internationally. Our main markets are, of course, USA, where we have our own distribution. Yes, what is it called? Leonalato USA. Okay. But wasn't it called something else? Yes, situation? it used to be called Moncalm. Yes, Moncalm. But with the new organization, yes, we changed as well Leonalato USA. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's uh, a complete rebranding at every level. Correct. Okay. Also, to answer your questions, it depends also on the partner that you have on the different markets. Mm-hmm. For example, in the U.S., since it's a, a part of the company, we are very at ease to build with them uh, projects, uh, plans. We have organized this year for the first time a walk-around tasting of all the portfolio wines. Of the Lecanute. Exactly, yes. We try to build partnerships with our distributor abroad. But it's not always easy to do. But for example, USA is a good example for us. Right. Yeah. Would you like to tell us briefly about the different estates? Because it used yeah. to be five and now it's six. Yes. With Duemani, right? So... Would you like to give us a brief overview of the different estates? So Letelunte de Leonalato consists of six wineries owned by the group. Mm-hmm. One in uh, Friuli called the Torre Rosazza, where we mainly produce white wines like Pinot Grigio, Friulano, Sauvignon Blanc, Ribolla Gialla, for sure. Uh, Costa Rente here in uh, Valpolicella. In Piedmont, we have Bricco de Guazzi, where we produce Barbera. Superiore, red wines mostly, but we are starting a very interesting project with Pinot Noir as well. We have just released a rosé from Pinot Noir and we are going to have also a red wine, very premium wine. Then we have Vuotto Piu, which is our brand of Prosecco. E8 plus? Correct, yes. Vuotto Piu. Why? Why is it called that? <laughs> Why would be 8 plus? It's more like, you know, I don't know, water. Yes, it doesn't sound like wine. Uh, yeah, we know that. And But we decided not to change the name of the brand because it was already a nice success in the market. We already sold uh, more than 1 million bottles 
into the market. So yeah, we, we decided that it was a little bit too risky to change it, but it's true. I mean, it's not very whiny, let's say like this. And it's also a characteristic of Wotopu, which is very pop and fun and colorful and not very traditional. So we think that the name matches a little bit the soul of the brand. Except maybe for the American. Yeah, I know that there is also, it's the name of a motor of, of a car or something like that, which is a little bit confusing. Eight-cylinder. Yeah, okay. So motor. Expert. And then to finish the owned estates, we have just acquired Due Mani in Tuscany. Very, yes, two hands. A very high-end uh, premium winery. Uh, we actually went to see Luca, do you remember? Yeah, we went to very interesting winemaker as well as the wines and the place. Very original wines, quite unique. And these are the six wine wineries that we own. Aside, there is also a distribution project. We have four different wineries in Italy that we distribute. Uh, one in uh, Sardinia called the Dettori. Of course, Dettori. Very famous. Yeah, historic winery. Exactly. Uh, Livelli in Puglia. In uh, Salento. Not bad. Uh, also in Puglia, Cantina Fiorentino. And uh, in the Brunello area, Pinino. Does your job also entail promoting those wineries? Or just yes. No, we distribute them and we also promote them okay. uh, because one of the value, one of the mission, let's say, of Le Tenute Lonelato is also to build value for all the brands that we manage, not only the owned ones, but also the distributed ones. And to finish the distribution project, we have just acquired the distribution of a champagne, Maison Bourdin. Also, of course, you always need champagne. Yeah. (laughs) So now we manage 11 different brands. Okay. Yeah. Because although Giovanni was saying in the previous interview that um, you're also um, currently making traditional methods, Yes, we produce a traditional method in uh, Torre Rosazza in Friuli, a very unique project made by Schioppettino grapes. Mm. It's called Blanc di Neri, like a Blanc de Noir, mm-hmm. because Schioppettino is, uh, is a red grape. And uh, we think that we are the only one in Italy and probably in the world to produce a traditional method from Schioppettino. 24 months uh, on, the, on the east. Uh, then we are working uh, for a traditional method also in Piedmont, always from Pinot Noir. As I was saying before, Pinot Noir will be a focus in the future for the Piedmontese winery. And here in Costa Rente, Giovanni is working also on uh, sparkling wine. I guess we're going to come to a close, but is there anything that you would like to say that we didn't mention? I would mention this magnificent tree oh, yes. behind us. <laughs> okay, we forget we're sitting right in front of it. Tell us about this magnificent tree. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the mulberry is a mulberry tree, and uh, in, in Italian, it's gelso. Gelso. Yeah. Gelso in Italian, mulberry in English. In English. And yes. What a magnificent tree it is. Is <laughs> is beautiful. Yeah. Mulberry, not me. Okay. <laughs> It's, it's beautiful and it's a sort of guardian of the of the estate. Uh, it was here before us and kind of remind us that uh, there was a past, there was a tradition in this place that we want to preserve and to evolve uh, in a sense, and that will be here long after us. So a wise uh, remind that um, we have to protect the territory we are in uh, to to let them hit live for a long period of time.
So I would say like that. Yeah, you know, a lot of wineries will have like a tree as a symbol. Yeah. I mean, you guys have grapes, but like, I think this works nicely too, if you want to rebrand. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the future. <laughs> yes, actually the logo is a double cross that is shown also in the fountain mm -hmm. at the entrance of the estate. And we decided to take this nice symbol and to add also a bunch of, of grape. I mean, some religious... Exactly. Apparently, this was... Messaging, subliminal, I don't know. Yeah, we don't, we don't... I mean, there is no religion significance, but it's true that uh, Costa Rente apparently was a stop of a pilgrimage in the past, where pilgrims stopped to restore, to rest, and we liked this sense of care and attention, and that's why we decided to make the symbol of the logo. Okay. Yeah. So, Antonella, you are the marketing manager. Okay. Mm -hmm of this entire group called Tenute Leone Alato. I have to focus <laughs> to say this thing. But for Costa Rente, I'm going to give you the last 30 seconds. You can convince our audience why they should come to visit Costa Rente. Go! First of all, because it's a beautiful place. It's very close to Verona, so it's also easy to, to join and to reach. The wines are quite approachable and nice wine to drink, very versatile. And uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, future projects that we want to release on the market. So there will be always something new to tell about to Costa Rente. So I think that for all these reasons, it's worth the visit. She had me at, it's a beautiful <laughs> because I do agree, it's magnificent, with the mulberry tree as well. And that is a wrap with Antonella in Borgia from Costa Rente. Ciao ragazzi, don't forget to subscribe below and, and ping us whenever you get your pods. Okay? Ciao, ciao. Chin, chin. Chin, chin. Italian wine people. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.